everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Pactum. I'm Mike Grimes here today with Pat Abendroth, and we have got a fantastic, awesome, incredible, amazing episode. So amazing, we're going to call it an ordinary means episode. Ordinary. So it seems kind of contradictory, but that is what we're going to do. I thought, Mike, before we got into the details of talking about ordinary means today, we should talk about what's in the news. So yeah. this will be dated, but what's in the news in churchianity land is that Saddleback Church ordained women pastors, I think, this last I week. I think they did, yeah. Did you see that? I saw that. Have you ever been to Saddleback? I haven't, no. I remember the time when I visited Saddleback, and I was with Eric Raymond when he was on staff here with us, and I kid you not, I, I thought there was going to be a fist fight after the service. Serious? Because Eric was so righteously indignant and enraged at the horrific Christless preaching mm. um, that he was arguing with the guy afterward, and it was creating a scene. Security <laughs> was involved, as I recall. So I think that was the last time I ever took people to Saddleback. But I used to do that when I was in Southern California as a pilgrimage. <laughs> Not really, but I wanted to, when Rick Warren was so popular with his books, Purpose Driven Life, Purpose Driven Church, I wanted people to see for themselves of just how how bad it was uh, and how mediocre and sub-Christian it was, um, maybe building a building an army of individuals just to see for themselves uh, that it actually was not a good church. Mm -hmm. And yet all of these evangelical churches, even churches like ours, were trying to build a ministry model based upon it. So it just has seemed to have gone from bad to worse. Uh, and if you can't figure out who is supposed to be a pastor and who's not supposed to be a pastor, I guess it's just par for the course. Yeah. Since the episode will be dated, I suppose uh, when people are listening to this in 50 years, uh, they'll wonder <laughs> what in the world we were talking about uh, back when, what's our president's name? Uh, I forgot. Uh, I'm having a Biden moment here. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the days when Joe Biden was the president, um, they talked about things like Saddleback Church and yeah, Rick Warren. That's so. right. Well, back to the matter at hand. We are going to be talking about ordinary means today and ordinary means in ministry. Uh, Pat, why don't you help us understand a little bit about what we're talking about when we say ordinary means? So maybe a good way to frame this whole conversation would be to start by asking our listeners to think about an opportunity they would have to listen to someone famous, let's say Jonathan Edwards. Hmm. If you could go in a time machine and go back and hear Edwards preach, uh, would you want to go do that? Sure, absolutely. I right. would be with you. I've read multiple biographies. He's an important person in history. I've been to his grave, as a matter of fact, mm. in, in Princeton, so I do have the anointing. But I would want to say yes. Of course I would want to go hear him speak. Yeah. But if it were on a Sunday morning and I had the opportunity to choose between listening to my pastor preach, mm. who was a, a nobody but faithfully preached the gospel of Christ and was a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ as a pastor, or travel across town uh, to the Great Awakening revival meeting, which one would I choose? Yeah. And I think that sort of frames up our question when it or frames up the matter of ordinary means. Right. So why would you choose to go to your local church to listen to your pastor who's faithfully preaching week in and week out instead of Jonathan Edwards? Why would you why would you choose that? Because I'm an ordinary means man. Hmm. What's an ordinary means man? What is when I hear someone described as an ordinary means man, or I suppose you could be an ordinary means woman, uh, what is meant by that, by that label, uh, is that they're committed to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ, the extraordinary Savior, hmm. uh, has given 
to his church and to his people uh, the means of grace. And those means of grace would be what we would call the ordinary means. Mm. So we're not talking about the extraordinary, special mountaintop, though God can do whatever he wants to do. Uh, ordinarily, God works through the ordinary means of grace. Right. And by those ordinary means of grace, we're talking here about the preaching of God's Word, the right preaching of the Word of God, yes, yes. Uh, the administration of the sacraments. So here we're talking about baptism and the Lord's Supper. The right administration yes, of the sacraments. Yes, the right administration. Okay, good. That's a good... And also discipline. I think we should probably add discipline to that, but leanly speaking, we would do the right preaching of the Word of God and the right administration of the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, and complementing those when you're talking about the marks of a church in the Reformation tradition, I believe, we would add discipline to that. And so each of those aspects or each of these ordinary means, if you will, uh, are churchly. They're tied to local congregations, local churches. And so if I had to choose between Edwards or my ordinary pastor, I'm going to go for the ordinary pastor because right. actually that's how God works. Yeah. We know that God has expressly stated in his word that those are the things he's given to us for life and godliness. So even in this episode, I, I definitely have an agenda. I would like more and more people to be ordinary means people. Hmm. I have not always been such a person. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been confusing because so many times we love celebrity. We want the yeah. extraordinary. Well, we don't want to do the mundane. We don't want to do the boring. Everything has to be best ever, yep. uh, most amazing, awesome ever, best vacation ever, best meal ever. Yep. And here we're going to talk about ordinary, which right. sounds kind of boring. Right. It sounds boring. I mean, there does seem to be a cultural fascination with the superlative, right? With That was a big word. <laughs> <laughs> you read my mind. Holy cow. <laughs> I don't think I've ever even said the word super- superlative. superlative. I feel, wow, I feel educated. That, right now. This is not a very ordinary podcast. <laughs> but there does seem to be a cultural fascination with that, with everything just has to be over the top, better than the week before. And that's certainly bled into the church. You see it where if I come to church, I expect to be entertained. I expect to have the music knock my socks off. I want the preaching to just blow my mind, and it has to be so entertaining. And there's a fascination with that. And what we're saying is, no, God has given us and ordained these ordinary means. And really, they're the extraordinary things, right? right? Yeah. So all of a sudden, we're not relevant church where everything is all that. And we're trying to, well, no, actually, the ordinary will always be relevant. And by this, we don't mean mediocre. Yeah, we're not. Um, we're, We're not trying to be boring. We're not trying to be dull or anything like that, but we are sticking to the script. Yeah. Uh, let's go for ordinary means. Let's not go for the extraordinary, which ends up being trite in the end. And in the long run, it sure would seem to me. I love the ordinary means as well, because if we're actually doing what the Lord Jesus Christ has ordained that we do, uh, we don't have to gin something up. We don't mm-hmm. have to somehow try to uh, emotionally manipulate people. Yeah. We can know for certain that the Spirit of Christ is uniquely attending our service. Yeah. And I, and I would say that based upon texts like Hebrews chapter 2, that he is in the midst of the congregation. So there may not be fireworks going off, right. but there is something 
extraordinary happening when the preaching of the word of God is taking place and the administration of the sacraments and let's include discipline. Uh, The Lord is with us in this. We're not alone. He is attending our service uh, uniquely present through the ordinary means. And Pat, I think Hebrews 2 is so helpful and it's fascinating to think about even in relationship to our music and services since that's what I'm a part of. That's what I do in the ministry here at our church. You know, there's a lot of times that people they think we have to drum up this emotional experience and we have to create this environment and this feeling of God's presence, even in our services. Yes, and for sure. to not even understand that he's present with us as we gather together through these ordinary means. And we don't have to manipulate, we don't have to create these emotional experiences, these hyped experiences to feel that presence or to have that experience God's given us the ordinary means for that to take place. He most absolutely, he most certainly is there and attending. Sometimes I like to post on social media that Jesus will be at our service tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Will he be at your church? Well, how can we have such confidence? Well, if we're utilizing what he has prescribed, the ordinary means, we can have great confidence that he actually is there uniquely among us among his people. It's a guarantee. Read Matthew 16, Matthew 18. He most certainly is there and involved and it's extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, this reminds me of a conversation I had with a young woman here after a service who had been a member of our church, but was moving away or was away at school or something like that. And she was just asking for advice. And I told her that in one sense, one thing you're looking for is for the church service to be boring. Hmm. And I didn't really mean that, but I wanted to get her attention. And I wanted her to think in terms of predictable. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not unpredictable. It's predictable. You know what to expect. It's going to be the preaching of the word of God and the focus on Christ and the focus on his promises and those sorts of things. And it seemed to resonate with her. And I likened it to when she was a teenager, oftentimes I, I was making some assumptions. Maybe you want to get away. You want to experience new, exciting, the extraordinary right. things you haven't experienced before. But she was old enough by now that I said, I imagine when you're home on spring break or Christmas break, that your favorite part is just being at home sure. and doing the ordinary family kinds of things. And she smiled as if to say, that's exactly true. Yeah. Now that I'm mature and I know what I love and appreciate, it's actually the predictable. It's actually the not boring, but the ordinary. Yeah. Those are the valuable things. And it's a sign of maturity. Yeah. And so I think as listeners are trying to process all of this, and it's a little bit counterintuitive, uh, a sign of maturity, I think, is to look for what the Lord Jesus Christ prescribes and to not look for the extraordinary, yeah. but to look for the ordinary and those things actually become extraordinary. Yes. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think one of the ways I think about it is, you know, a lot of times people go to churches to be impressed to be entertained. And when you go to a place that is, quote, boring, or it's the more the same every week, you know what you're going to get week in, week out. It's going to be more the same, more the same. You say it from our pulpit every week. You say, if you come back next week, you're going to hear more about Christ. Well, what happens is they go to be impressed and to be entertained when, because of the ordinary means that God has given us, we can leave church impressed every week, and we can leave impressed with Christ and the glories of salvation found through him. So, we can leave having extraordinary experience because of the ordinary means. Do this in remembrance of me, the extraordinary one, until I return again. So it's actually been prescribed. 
There's a great article that that we can attach in the show notes uh, put out by Lee Guineer. It's written by Michael Brown regarding the ordinary means. I would commend it to those who are listening. I'll read a section of it here. The necessity of the local church for the making of disciples can hardly be overestimated. This is our Lord's chosen means for gathering his redeemed people, feeding them with his word, receiving their worship, nurturing their faith, and bonding them as a community rooted and established in love. The local church church is a manifestation of the people who belong to Christ and also the place where he meets them through the means, think ordinary means, he has ordained an ordinary ministry of word, water, bread, and wine. Now, Pat, as we're talking about these ordinary means that God has given to us, you know, there may be an objection to all of this, and uh, maybe it's perhaps someone who's speaking about a revival. To that, I would say I used to think more along those lines, but the longer I'm a believer and the more I read even about the so-called Great Awakening, or as Daryl Hart says, the pretty good awakening, (laughs) uh, I would maybe see it a little bit differently. And what I mean by that is... Clearly, there's a distinction between the Great Awakening, as it's called, in the 18th century, and the Second Great Awakening uh, that would have come sometime after. Sure. And there's, there's a marked difference. So if you're thinking about Whitfield and Edwards and others during the 18th century, they are a far cry from Charles Finney, yes. who would have been a heretic in the Second Great Awakening. Yeah. Total emotional manipulation, uh, terrible theology down the line. So there is a difference between the Great Awakening and the Second Great Awakening because the Second is really awful, not great. But I think something we have to keep in mind is that Even during Edward's time, during the so-called Great Awakening, there were faithful pastors and there were faithful men and women who were members of faithful congregations um, doing the blocking and tackling, uh, doing the ordinary and seeing the fruit of the ordinary. And they would not have been altogether thrilled about now the celebrity coming to to do a revival. Yeah. And so while Edwards and Whitfield may have been Calvinists and things like that, there is a shift. There is a change toward this uh, overly experiential mm-hmm. sort of piety yeah. uh, that is a move from classic confessionalism. Yeah. And so while we may appreciate the fact that God worked through these people uh, in different ways, uh, let's not forget that there were faithful churches. There were faithful men of God and women of God who were doing the basics well, and they wouldn't have seen any need for a revival. They would have questioned it. And as ordinary means men and women, I think they would have really been onto something. Sure. So it's not as simple as, oh, first great awakening was awesome. And the second one was terrible. I used to kind of think that way, but the longer I'm a Christian and the more that I know about church history, which isn't much, (laughs) but the more that I learn, the more I realize uh, that maybe Edwards isn't my homeboy. Hmm. Mike, are we saying that God doesn't do extraordinary things? No, we're not saying that at all. He does extraordinary things. He he takes people who are spiritually dead and makes them alive. Right, that's extraordinary. That's extraordinary. But how does he do it? Right. He does it through the ordinary means of grace. Right. So, and those are pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So that's extraordinary, but the preaching of the word of God is pretty ordinary because it happens on a regular basis. Right. So I think what we're getting at, too, is this, we have to create these special opportunities for God to work and for God to move when that special opportunity happens every Sunday morning in local churches all around the world. 
I think that's really good that you bring that up because what we're trying to do is have a proper biblical elevated view of what's ordinary when we gather on the Lord's day. And we're seeing that as elevated, high, significant, important, extraordinary, where the ordinary means of grace uh, are carried out. So when you see the church the way we should see the church, we end up, um, if you will, not allowing any rivals or any competitors because it is what God has ordained. It is special. And so we don't don't need to try to seek something different. Right. So maybe we've been a little bit controversial so far and let's, let's, let's just dive into the deep end of the pool now let's go for it. and just sound like haters because haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. Let's go for it. So it brings up the question, if we're doing ordinary means ministry and that's the right way, what do we do with things like conferences? Mm. Well, since we don't see them in the scriptures and there's no biblical basis <laughs> for them, they're all bad, which means we might want to cancel the one we have scheduled for October. <laughs> I don't want to go that far. I think conferences can be good. We do have one just about every year here. I attended a conference this past year and really appreciated it. So not trying to do that, but we are trying to say we perhaps have gotten the emphasis in the wrong place Yeah, uh, when we know for certain what is God's plan, ordinary means, local congregation, and then we make that lesser and the conference is greater. Yes. I think we're, we're errant in our thinking and we're immature biblically in our thinking. I think the pushback needs to be saying to Christians, saying to ourselves that we live in a culture that is drunk on celebrity. We're not the first ones. Um, I'm of Paul. I'm of Paul of Apollos. I'm of Jesus. Uh, So we're not the first people to be like this, but it is really out of control. And I think Christians can see it when it comes to observing unbelievers and their hero worship and the celebrity craze. But what we need to do, in my opinion, is to also look in the mirror And to see ourselves as perhaps just as guilty because we have our favorite Christian celebrities. Yeah. And maybe I sound self-serving because haters going to (laughs) hate. But really, when someone says, oh, I met so-and-so and and I got an autograph from this person and and I met them and talked to them, I want to say... Did you get close enough to smell their bad breath? <laughs> uh, I, I want to say, oh, I, I've you know been on a plane with him, and did you know he flies first class? Mm. I, I want to give pushback. Yeah. And even I'll be honest and say one of the reasons why I like bringing authors to our conferences, uh, some well-known authors that I appreciate, is so that our people can interact with them and see that they're just ordinary people. Yeah. They're normal. Yeah. Just like us. They might be gifted in special ways and we're benefiting from their special knowledge uh, on a particular topic where they're expert, but to see that they're just like us and maybe they have certain, well, we all have certain quirks and we all have weaknesses and we have strengths. So I think it can be healthy just to see that they're maybe knowledgeable in a particular topic, um, but, but they're just regular people yeah, and we don't need to uphold them as some sort of special celebrity with all of the secret knowledge um, because we should reserve that for the, the senior pastor of a local congregation. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so we're going to start to get a security detail for you every Sunday. We'll yeah. guard around you and keep everybody at a six foot. Di- well, we do that anyway now, but Maybe I'm just bitter. I, I I long for the good old days of conferences where we were just a bunch of geeks with three ring binders and we didn't have to sprint for our seats when the doors opened. Throwing elbows. 
So we're not saying that conferences are a bad thing. We're saying that if we have a right understanding of what we're trying to accomplish at a conference, it can be a great thing. It can be an edifying, encouraging thing for people to attend. If they're going to go be encouraged by someone who has knowledge on some given topic theologically that might be better suited to speak on something than we are, we want them to hear those things. We want them to be encouraged. We want them to be edified. But don't make it about the person. Don't make it about the experience. Don't make it about that's the only place I can go and learn and hear from God on this given topic. Because that downplays what's happening at the local church every given week. Because what's extraordinary is not that person. It's actually the Lord Jesus Christ. And he works through ordinary means uh, to accomplish his purposes. So we would literally say if we had a conference over a weekend, uh, Please, if you're visiting from another church, um, take advantage of the audio of Sunday. It will be available by guest speaker so-and-so. Right. But we want them to love their local congregation, their local body, their local church, because as a matter of fact, that's far more important than the extraordinary conference or the extraordinary speaker. Right. So, Pat, as we're coming to the end of the episode here and concluding and wrapping things up, another great quote from the article by Michael Brown you referenced earlier in the episode found on Ligonier, uh, we do not need more movements, more conferences, and more celebrities. We do not need the next big thing. What we need are more churches committed to the way disciples have been made since the apostles planted a church in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, the slow-going unspectacular, ordinary ministry of word and sacrament, where God is raising dead sinners and creating a living communion of saints. You know, I'll never forget, Pat, when I started on staff here, you told me, you know, I mean, not much really to tell We're about blocking and tackling. And you said it in this episode, and I thought, what in the world? Blocking and tackling. But it's true. That's what we're about here, blocking and tackling. We don't need this great big movement, this great big fad or celebrity thing happening What we need is the local church doing the ordinary ministry of the word. Brown goes on to say there are no halftime shows, no rock concerts, and no celebrity personalities. It is plain, ordinary, and even boring at times. Yes. So in the show notes, we'll have a link to that article. We would commend it to you. Another helpful resource is a book called Ordinary by Michael Horton. He is a a very special, extraordinary celebrity (laughs) Christian thinker, author, whose autograph you definitely would want. Yes. We kid. Uh, <laughs> his book is, is quite helpful. It's called Ordinary Sustainable Faith in a Radical Restless World. Easy to, easy to read, good for groups. Uh, we've gone through it here before and utilized it as a church. I would commend it to our listeners. Ordinary by Michael Horton and Ordinary Means, uh, which is that Legionnaire article by Michael Brown. Well, as we wrap things up, we want to thank you for joining us. We know we're a couple celebrities that you are just foaming at the mouth to hear it week in and week out. Uh, We can give you our autographs, too, if you'd like those. Uh, But in all seriousness, we'd encourage you to— You might not be able to find us, though, because the smoke machine is going to be going off. But in all seriousness, we'd encourage you to be a part of your local church, to attend week in, week out, and to be impressed with Christ, our Savior. And we trust that you're encouraged by the ordinary means that God has given us, the right preaching and teaching of the Word of God, and the right administration of the sacraments, the Lord's Supper, and baptism. We'll see you next week here back on The Pactum. <laughs>